We left off in the beginning of chapter 11. Uh, we had made it to verse 4, I think, the last time that we were here on the 21st. And we were looking at uh, this uh, sub-points under uh, the continuance of persecution. And so remember the overriding themes of, of the book of Acts that I identify was the spread of the gospel and the uh, impartation of the Holy Spirit. And so you could see the continuance of the apostles in, in the face of persecution is a very important uh, piece to understanding what's going on here in the book of Acts. And so we've kind of pointed out in past times, you see the character. And if you do any of these character studies of individuals such as Peter, right, you look back in the book of, of uh, or in the Gospels, he's a much different person than what he is in the book of Acts. You see uh, Paul prior to his conversion, much different person than he was after his conversion. Uh, and so all of these instances kind of show the effect and power of the Holy Spirit as he's imparted. Uh, now, in the immediate context where we left off in verse four, you see uh, that Peter has just come back from uh, speaking to Cornelius and his household, and they're all converted and receive the Holy Spirit, and he's able to uh, understand that the Holy Spirit has been imparted now to the Gentiles too. And so everything has come together and coalesced to make sense for him, but it doesn't make sense for everybody else. <laughs> As you look at these people who have all of their lives said, let's keep ourselves separate from these Gentiles. It doesn't make them make sense to them that Peter would have had Gentiles or been in the home of, of Gentiles. And so as you as you look at this, they're questioning, what are you doing? <laughs> Have you lost your mind, Peter? Uh, and the report of this and the news of this has gotten back and spread out wide. And so in verses four, four through 17, you see Peter's response to this inquiry uh, from the Jews of him going into the household of Gentiles. Now let's read from verse 4 through 17. It says, But Peter rehearsed the matter, matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descended as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by the four corners. And it came even to me, upon the which... When I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay, and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God cleansed, that call not uh, thou or common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me to go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how... He had seen an angel in his, his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee, uh, tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word from the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water. 
but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. For as much then as God gave the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now, very important here to understand. Uh, I think it was said uh, by a writer uh, back many years ago, your arms are too short to box with God. And so this is a concept that Peter understands in this context, and it's the basis for why he went into the house of of Cornelius, and he's going to explain that here today. So let's bow in a word of prayer, and we'll get into our study. Father, we're grateful again for this day, uh, grateful for the opportunity to come back into this study in the book of Acts and to understand that uh, we didn't just get to where we are uh, immediately. There were steps that were taken uh, by people that came before us, and there were uh, failures and, and successes that preceded us that caused us to be able to walk in the perfection of what we have today. And so we're grateful for those men and those women who were uh, there at the church at the start, who laid the foundation for what we're able to to partake in today. And we uh, pray that as we uh, continue through the study, as always, we pray this, that uh, we would have a better and more grounded appreciation for what you've provided to us by grace, and that we would be able to walk in the fullness of what we are in Christ. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, and so... Uh, we see in verses 4 through 12, uh, the first half of this subpoint of the response of Peter, that he rehearses the preparation for the meeting with Cornelius. And so it's almost word for word with the occurrence and those facts that we saw back in the other chapter. And I don't want to go back and, and kind of align those things together, but we'll just go through it and we'll won't explain it as much because we've seen uh, the the firsthand story of of what took place from Peter's perspective. But he's going back and explaining this now uh, to these Jews. Now, understand that he's he's speaking to an audience that's a little bit more receptive than what the normal Jewish audience would be. Right. At least these people have the perspective of having been there at the day of Pentecost and understanding all that took place in that context. Now, when he's talking to the Jews that aren't saved, it's a little bit of a different story, right? So these people aren't, uh, you know, rabid after him saying, what are you doing, Peter? You went into the house of these Jews? They're just questioning. They're they're saying, hey, what's going on? And I think they're a little bit more willing to listen. You're going to see that by their response. But in verse four, we see the telling of the story in order. And it's very important to see when you are coming on the outside of something that's happened, and you don't have the full context of what's happened in that circumstance, it's good for somebody to go step by step so that you understand what took place, right? And so Peter rehearses these things, as it were, in order. And so he starts from the beginning. Uh, And the idea here in verse 4 is that he rehearsed the matter. Let's read it. It says, but Peter rehearsed, this word for for expounded, uh, and it comes from the word uh, ex. Uh, which means to, to place outside of really in, in the most literal sense uh, from beginning and expounded on it by order uh, unto them uh, saying. And so um, rehearse the matter again, uh, mixed up the words there, but it comes from the word arxaminos, which means to uh, um, uh, do just that and to state this, this matter out from the beginning. But he started at the very beginning of the matter. And so it's not just that he expounded from the beginning. This word here has the idea of uh, 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 the foundational piece, the very starting point. And he expands out from that. 
And so Peter is detailing uh, this interaction from start to beginning, and he's going point by point as to what took place. Now, uh, the other word for, for expounded here, this is a word that I was looking at to, to place out from, and it looks at the order of sequential events. And so if you've ever watched some of these, these crime shows where they're going back and these uh, uh, cops are trying to get the person to outline what happens, right? They go right back to the beginning of when the murder took place and all of the things that, that happened that led up to that point. Uh, and that's kind of what you're looking at here with this word. Um, trying to make sure I didn't miss anything. I jump from my notes here sometimes and get myself off. Oh, and so on uh, page 146 here, you see the my, my definition of this word is, is to place something out in a figurative sense, ma matching the contextual usage. It is of the detailed breakdown of, uh, of the totality of a matter. And so we see this word used in a couple different places I want to highlight. Uh, over in Acts chapter 18 and verse 26, we see it used in the description of the way of God from Apollos uh, to Aquila and Priscilla. Acts chapter 18 and verse 26. And so uh, Apollos needing to know how a believer is to conduct themselves and uh, we'll eventually get to this one day, I trust, <laughs> but, uh, unless the Lord returns first. But uh, again, I say we're going faster than the pastor is on Wednesday nights. <laughs> but pick it up in verse 24. And it says there, in a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Now, here you see the background of Apollos being this learned man, right? And he's not one that has this information and is arrogant about it and is holding it over everybody, but he's a smart man. And he was brought up in an area where, uh, in Alexandria, where there was a lot of learning going on in culture. And so in verse 25, it says, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And so up to this point, he's only knowing what caused, pe caused people to be saved in the Gospels, right? He doesn't know anything more than that. So he has to be expounded to on how you're supposed to teach now, right? He he's teaching what he knows to be true up to that point. In verse 26, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took uh, him uh, or took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly or really that word there is for accurately. And so have you ever you've ever seen a person that has a sincere desire to teach and to do it to the best of their knowledge, but they're just off <laughs> what they're teaching to the current time? Uh, there are some people that just take upon themselves to teach and they, they don't want to know anything more. Right. They're only stuck and set in what they know and they don't want to hear anything else. This wasn't Apollos. Right. He was in a place where he was teaching to the best of his knowledge to that point, And he had someone come along and expound to him. Uh, and to me, this is kind of symbolic or, or in, uh, kind of God's way of doing things. If you really want to know more than what you, you know at that point, he's going to lead you to the proper place for you to be able to to get that knowledge. And this happens with Apollos. And so here, though, Aquila and Priscilla expound to him. And so they go out from a beginning and go in sequence of those things that he needs to know right up to this point 
where he's at, and so he could teach more accurately, as it were. Uh, also, over in Acts chapter 28 and verse 23, we see this word used, and we'll just stay here in the, the book of Acts. That's right. <laughs> um, and here we have Paul uh, kind of explaining how he got to where he was. Pick it up at Pick it up at verse uh, 17. It says there, and it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, men and brethren, uh, though I have committed nothing against the people or the custom of our fathers, yet I was delivered uh, prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, I or have I called for you to see to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither receive letters of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed uh, or spake any harm uh, of thee. But when or we desire to hear of thee, what thou thinkest concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law and of the prophets, and uh, from morning to till evening. And so uh, here you see, you guys think uh, we we preach a long time. They were here all day long <laughs> with this. Uh, and so it rivals the, the time the guy fell out of the window, right, uh, from, from Paul's long preaching. Um, but here he expounded. And so he went back into the law and went through the, to the prophets and went through to the things that happened with Jesus concerning uh, uh, his time here on the earth and even up to the things of the, uh, I would say, early in the book of Acts that took place in order to place in order for them what is taking place, right? So everybody else in the outside world is looking at this way as a, a sect or an offshoot of, of uh, uh, Judaism. Uh, he's explaining to them that this is what God is doing now, right? And he uses all of the things up to that point to kind of testify to that. And so you see this word expounded, use it in those uh, two ways in, in different contexts. But going back to Acts chapter 11 and verse 4, Peter is doing something similar here. He's expounding in the context from, from start to finish or in order uh, what took place. Uh, and, and furthermore, we get this idea here of, of the order of things by this uh, Greek word, uh, kathik, says. Uh, which means of actions performed in sequence. And so we see this word unique to Luke as he, he's the only one that uses this word and he uses it in the book of Luke as well as here in Acts. Um, but uh, let's look at a couple of places for this. Over in Luke chapter 1 and verse 3, we see it's used of the manner in which Luke told Theophilus uh, the testimony concerning Jesus. Luke chapter 1 and verse 3.
So we know uh, Luke is, is a pretty edu educated guy and a, phys a physician, and he kind of breaks, breaks things down logically and in order. And you see that here is, as stated in the book of uh, Luke, how he sought to break this down for Theophilus. But pick, pick it up in verse 1. He says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also having a perfect or having had perfect understanding of all things from the first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And so both of these books he's writing are actually to this guy Theophilus. And here he's telling of the things that happened with Jesus and the foundation that was laid with that, uh, the things that he did in the Gospels. And he does it in order, right, <laughs> of how they took place. Uh, and this is the best way he saw fit to go about it. Uh, over in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, uh, we see it's used of the actions uh, from the Lord in his earthly ministry. It might not be correct there. I forgot to write down the book, so that I'm not sure if this is the right. Uh... Nope, that's not it. Might have to skip that one. I don't know where. Well, I can do this. Give me one second here. It's actually Luke chapter 8 and verse 1. Luke 8 1. I don't know why I put this verse 8 1 there. Um, well, yeah, but it, it confused me. <laughs> I don't want to confuse myself. <laughs> yeah, well, you should have spoke up. <laughs> okay. Uh, so in Luke 8, 1, it says, And it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve uh, were with him. Um, where's our word there? Yep, you're right. So afterward, uh, and kind of looking at the order of, of his travel, uh, and so the sequential order of how he uh, went from city to city. Uh, and then in Acts chapter 3 and verse 24, we see this use of the order of the prophets speaking uh, of the coming of Jesus. Acts chapter 3 and verse 24. <coughs> and pick this one up. Um... You have Peter uh, speaking one of his early sermons here, but pick it up in verse 19. He says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. 
whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you, and your brethren like unto to me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear uh, that, or that prophet shall be destroyed uh, from the people. One more verse there in verse 24. It says, yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after as many as have spoken likewise foretold of these days. And so here that word following after. And so from order right there, uh, how the prophets spoke and how they came to the earth and how they wrote. Uh, you see that order of which they uh, testified to the coming of the Lord. And then finally, over in Acts chapter 18, I did the same thing again, but I'm following uh, Scott's interpretation of me. <laughs> Acts chapter 18 and verse 23, we see this used as well. Scott, you know me better than I know myself. <laughs> Okay, 1823, and let's pick it up at verse 18. It says there, and after this, uh, tarried there yet a good while, uh, after this, tarried there, there yet a good while, and then took his leave, uh, speaking of Paul, uh, of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, uh, with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sincrea, for he had a vow. And he went, uh, he came to Ephesus and left them there. Uh, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned, or, or really their dialogue with the Jews. Uh, when they desired him to tarry longer, uh, to tarry longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, uh, saying, I must by all means keep the feast uh, that cometh in Jerusalem. Uh, but I will return again unto you if God will. And he sailed for Ephesus. Now, uh, we know in, in the context here, and I'm just going to take a shot at our dear brother, J. Vernon McGee, who says uh, Paul was totally in the will of God when, when he did all of these things. Uh, well, little problem. We have the Holy Spirit testifying that he, he shouldn't go on this journey, right? Uh, and prophets are prophesying to this or uh, uh, this very thing. And then you have here uh, him abandoning as it were believers. Now, I guess you can interpret this however you want to, but I choose to say these believers could have benefited from him staying there and spending time and helping them to grow. And what does he do? Nope, nope, I can't do it. Got to get out here to this feast. And so he, he uh, as he said concerning John Mark, kind of left them in a lurch in this, in this instance. Uh, but in verse 22, and when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some days there, he departed and went over uh, all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, uh, strengthening all the disciples. So he did go on and do uh, better things there in the future. But here you see this uh, in order and just looking at the geographical order here more uh, than an actual order of events uh, as it's used in that context. And so going back over to Acts chapter 11. We see as as Peter is explaining these events, there's great detail that's given here by Luke to say that he didn't just 
go randomly and speak out of what things took place. He took very great painstaking uh, uh, time to make sure these things were set out in order so that they could understand what happened to him uh, in this context. And so in verses five through seven, we see the backdrop to the story. And particularly in verse five, we see the location of Peter when the vision came. And so uh, Luke or Acts chapter 11 and verse five, it says, and I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance, I saw a vision, a certain vessel descended or descend as it had been a great sheet let down by the four corners and it came uh, even to me. And so uh, this uh, location for him, uh, the action or activity of what he was doing and the state that he was in. Now, he doesn't express here uh, in his rehearsal of it that he was hungry, right? If we go back to uh, the last chapter, he had not eaten and he was he was famished when he, he went into this state that he was in. Uh, but this idea here that he was praying on the on the rooftop uh, and the idea of, or the word there for praying is our general word for praying or, or worship. Right. And so he was worshiping and different forms of communication with God come off from that. Uh and he saw a vision. Now, we broke it down when we were coming through there. Um, the, these two different words that are used, and I wish I would have broke this down more again. But uh, this word for ecstasy is used here. Uh, you see this this state that's very outside of your normal state. Right. <laughs> if you're sitting here now and communicating with each other, uh, this is one state. But you're here by yourself and you're seeing things that are not necessarily uh, to the mind real, right? <laughs> these, these extraordinary things that are happening here, uh, and this being these, this sheet uh, being uh, knit by the four corners coming down out from heaven. Uh, and so he saw in this state, this uh, ecstasy state of vision, and the vision is, is those things that, that took place as far as the animals and the sheet are concerned. Now, the relevance uh, of his location, I would say, and this is just my uh, understanding of the context, is to draw his hearers back to the time frame of the activity. So it's important when you're describing something to put the person in your shoes, right? And to cause them to be able to understand everything that was taking place. And the more flavor you add to that story, the more detail you give as to what's going on, the better people can put themselves in your shoes. And I think this is what Peter is doing here at this time. So he's saying, hey, I was here. This was my location. This is the state that I was in. This is everything that I was seeing, feeling, smelling and everything like that. And the person could put themselves in his shoes. Now, this sets the stage for the divine nature of the occurrence. Now, he's saying something that, again, is not normative to human experience. It's not every day that you're sitting here praying on the rooftop and down comes out from heaven a sheet with all of these different kinds of animals in it. That, that happened to you the other day, Brother Rick? <laughs> it hasn't happened to me. I don't know about anybody else. Um, but this is this is quite extraordinary, right? This is not anything that happens normally. And so he talks about this sheet that's knit at the four corners. Uh, then in verse six, he gives the details of what he saw in this vision. And it says there upon the which when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four footed beasts of the earth and wild things and creeping things and fowls of the air. Now, here, uh, based on the context, a lot of these animals that are in the sheet are things that he's not supposed to have anything to do with. Right. 
and and it's uh, clearly stated here. And so the expression of the life lifelike nature of the vision uh, is provided. Now, uh, again, Luke being he uses words that aren't used all throughout the New New Testament. He uses very interesting words, and he provides a lot of detail as to what was going on. So this word here in verse six for fastened has the idea of to give one's full attention to a thing. And so I would really translate it after having given my full attention to. There was nothing else going on in, in Peter's mind. He's looking at this vision and it has his, his full attention. And in that state, he saw. And so this word for saw is our word for to gaze upon for the intent of, dis, uh, of discerning what is viewed. And so uh, you see him. Looking, right? Have you ever just, uh, I think the pastor always points, <laughs> my mother is a, an example of it when she's watching people and just kind of looking at them. Uh, it might make some people uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know if they ever turn around and make eye contact. Uh, but when you're going to a museum, right, you're looking at these paintings and different things that are in there. And you don't just look at it and then, oh, yeah, that's nice, and then walk off. When things catch your attention, you look at it and you see all the details of that painting, right? Have you ever seen some of these paintings that have uh, uh, multiple different pictures of things in it? And it, it's supposed to be one thing when you look at it one time, but then you look at it a little further and you can see different uh, pictures within the picture. But that takes some examination, right? There might be up to five things that you're supposed to see in this picture, and immediately you see one, but the longer you look at it, you see more and more things. I think this is what Peter was doing, right? He was looking, discerning what exactly it is uh, that he's looking at. And so the consideration of Peter uh, is an interesting word as well here. Uh, it's the state of mind which descends from a careful mental thought, right? Again, these things didn't just... He wasn't just looking at these things and they just came in his mind and went out. He's giving careful examination to everything that he's seeing. And I would say, given the context, not just what these things are, more why are these things occurring? Why is God causing me to be able to see it? A lot of people don't do critical thinking. Have you noticed that <laughs> in, in this world we live in? People just look at the surface of everything that they see and then they go on to the next thing. I'm sometimes guilty of that as well, but I try as much as I can to examine situations and things that I encounter critically. Right. What is really going on here? Not just the thing that that I'm looking at on the surface. And I think this is the mind that Peter used. Now, we see this word kata uh, used in a couple different places in this consideration of, of state of mind that. Uh, Peter gives. It's used of the thought given to Moses uh, when uh, coming in the context with the Lord on Mount Sinai. And so uh, as he's looking at this burning bush, he's not just uh, uh, saying, well, isn't that interesting? There's a bush that's on, on fire and it never burns, right? He, he's given some careful thought to this. And this is uh, given in, in uh, Stephen's explanation of the history of Israel. Uh, but pick it up in verse 27 of, of chapter 7 of Acts. He says, but he, speaking of Moses, that, that or excuse me, this is not Moses. Uh, but he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, uh, who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? 
Then er, fled Moses at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begot two sons. And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel from the Lord in a flame of, of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses uh, Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord uh, to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the uh, place where thou standest is holy uh, ground. And I went past the verse, so in... in uh, uh, 22. Oh, so uh, Durst not behold this idea here of, of uh, not giving uh, full thought to. And so the, the inference there is what he saw was causing him to not be able to uh, fully comprehend or grasp what it was. He looked at it and he couldn't couldn't go through the full thought process here to, to uh, understand what it was that he was looking at. So I Kind of had that backwards. Um, and then in Acts chapter 27 and verse 39, we see this use of the thought process uh, of the ship crew uh, from Paul's journey to Rome. Acts chapter 27 and verse This one back to verse 31. Now we know in the context, Paul, uh, <laughs> he told them they shouldn't have gone on this journey and they didn't listen to him. So I think he has a little capital build up here at the end where they're, <laughs> they're willing to listen to him now. But in verse 31, it says, uh, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, uh, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that we have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you, eat some or take some meat, for this is your health. For uh, there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken... He took, they took bread and gave thanks to God uh, in the presence of them all, or he took bread. Uh, and when he had broken it, he uh, began to eat. Then were uh, they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were in all, or we were all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. Uh, oh, it didn't go far enough. Verse 37, and we were uh, in all, or excuse me, verse 38, and when they had uh, eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when uh, it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek uh, with a shore into the which they were minded, and here's our word, uh, if it were possible to thrust it uh, into the ship. And so here, uh, or to thrust in the ship. So this word here of, of uh, giving careful uh, consideration to or, or this state of mind uh, that descends from this, this careful thought or contemplation of a thing. Uh, and so going back to Acts chapter 11. Uh, 
you see kind of uh, this mindset of Peter as he's looking at this vision. Uh, he is giving, not only fastened his eyes on something, he's given careful consideration uh, to what it is that he's actually seeing. And uh, what did he see? He saw four-footed beasts, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. And then as you move on to verse 7, he says also, And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. Now, interestingly enough, I think Peter knows he is not talking to just uh, uh, any old voice from heaven. I'm pretty sure he knows this is uh, a voice either from or coming from God. And yet we talked about when we were coming through, he finds uh, the strength and the, the conviction to argue against what this voice is telling him to do. Very, very interesting with Peter where he chooses to be bold. Uh, but we see there is a familiarity with this voice and that the voice knew him by name and that this voice is speaking from a place of authority, right? Telling him, arise, right? Raise up from where you are. These are all in the imperative. Kill and eat, right? And so uh, to eat these animals that are there before him. And remember, in the context, he's hungry. Now, the message from the voice uh, is, is rise up right now, right now, at this very moment, uh, and kill the animals you're seeing and eat them. In verses eight, verse, or verses 8 through 12, we see the attempt of Peter to dispute uh, based on Jewish tradition. Now, what is the first element of this? He's arguing against uh, uh, this questioning, really, of, of him by saying, look, I tried every opportunity I had to disobey what this voice was saying. Right. But it became clear to me as this thing developed on and on. And you're going to see this through the next several verses that God is telling me to do something different. Right. And it starts here with this food that he's seeing in this vision. And so in verse eight, we see the hesitance of Peter. Uh, and so it says there, uh, but I said, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. And so here, uh, Peter is not acting out of faith, right? Peter is not acting as a man that is listening to God and God is giving him instruction as to what he's supposed to do. He's acting as if the law and those things that he's instructed in are superior to the word of God. Right. And we see this here. Uh, Peter's recalling of his own uh, resistance provides defense to the accusation of him acting outside of the law uh, and traditions. And Peter's retort shows that his uh, uh, thorough respect that he has a thorough respect for the law. Now, in verse nine, we see the insistence of the voice as he continues on. It says, but the voice answered me again out from heaven. What God hath cleansed. That call not thou uncommon. And so Peter states the origins as being out from heaven and again showing the authority, right? This isn't just a voice of a man that's hiding behind a bush and saying, this is the Lord that's talking to you. No, this voice is coming out from heaven and he believes it to be from God. Uh, and Peter's recollection of the statement uh, from the voice introduces a new way of understanding of how God is working. And so what is God saying here? Those things that you might have called common before, even out from understanding of what I've said in the past, I have the right. <laughs> I reserve the right of being God to change the way that I'm acting. Right? And we see here a clear uh, movement in dispensation. 
Now, the amount of times uh, required for Peter's obedience, again, is a thing I think he's stating to tell these people, look, I tried every single thing that I could do to not walk in that way. But God showed me through all of my resistance that this is the way that you should go. Three times, right? Three times that he he chose not to do it. Now, this I didn't go deeply into this, but it is interesting and I'm not going to draw anything out of it. But remember, how many times uh, did the cock crow before Peter denied the Lord? (laughs) Three times. And how many times did he here in this context have to uh, the Lord have to remind him before he actually was obedient to what he should do? Seems like Peter has a history of (laughs) repeating uh, things over and over again here. Right. Uh, But in verse 10, we see again that this amount of times now three retorts from Peter uh, read in verse 10. It says, and this was done three times and all uh, were drawn up again into heaven. So uh, him having seen this in his vision, he knows that it was a deeper meaning than just food. Right. (laughs) If it had been just about eating and that's what God was trying to show him, then he would have left the food there and he would have killed the food and eaten it. The, the things and the contents were drawn up again into heaven, showing him that God is showing me something else through this vision than killing and eating food. Excuse me, food. And we're going to uh, see that in his response. And Peter recognizes God in this is doing something uh, different. We're at the top of page 48 in your notes. Uh, verse 11, we see the coming of uh, Cornelius, uh, Cornelius's men. And this is, I believe, where it turned uh, for Peter. And we're going to see that. It says, and behold, uh, immediately there were three men. Now he denied the Lord three times. You're starting to see a trend here. <laughs> he uh, had to be told three times to, to take and eat. And now these three men have shown up at his door. And furthermore, I'm not in all of these numbers again. I'm just pointing these things out. Three men go with them. Jews that we're going to see uh, to make six in total. And so the, this three uh, keeps popping up. But here you see uh, these three men that were at the door. And what does he say to them? Uh, Or what does the Lord tell him concerning these men? We'll see that in verse 12. But there were three men uh, already come to the house where I was sent from Caesarea. And so they're waiting at the very door. And so we see uh, the introduction of these three men that were sent uh, from Cornelius and the origin of them also. And then in verse 12, we get the instruction from the Holy Spirit. He says, and the spirit bade me. Go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six men accompanied me and uh, we entered into the man's house. Now, uh, interesting here, this idea here of nothing doubting, right? Because when he was looking at that vision from heaven, what was he doing? He was doubting everything. He was breaking this apart. What does this mean? And even when he was given the instruction from the Lord, what did he do? He argued against it. And so the Holy Spirit has to tell him here, no, no reason to doubt. Just listen to me. Go with these men. And we see that here. Uh, But in verse 12, uh, the spirit speaks to him very directly. And the use of the men accompanying him are are further evidence of this. And so not only did he go, but he took these uh, three uh, other Jews with him, with the uh, three men that came from Cornelius's household. And it is with that that they enter into Cornelius's home. And so next week we'll come back to uh, verses 13 through 17 and we'll see the rehearsal uh, from this entry. And so he breaks down the why right behind 
how he ended up there and how he ended up at the house of this Jew or Gentile man that he's not supposed to be in the house of. Now we're going to see what happened when he got there. Right. And this provides, I think, the the exclamation point on what God is doing that's different. And again, as you see in difference here, uh, if he had to describe these things to people that weren't saved, you think this would have satisfied them? Absolutely not. They would have been telling him, how dare you go into the house of a Gentile, right? But he is able to explain this to these believers and they, they see something is happening different. So next week we'll come back and uh, sit the Lord Terry and, and go through uh, verse 17 and see the rehearsal of his entry into the house of Cornelius.